Man, I want to take time out right now of all of us here at home, here in our worship centers, can thank our incredible musicians, our tech team, all the people. Man, all the people that have sacrificed every week. We've been here every week and, and throughout the week. And man, I just want to thank our tech team, our staff that have been working so hard. Woo. Man. Sorry to get so emotional. I apologize. I just can't tell you the, the work that our men and women, our staff and volunteers put in every week, especially during COVID. It has been un unbelievable. So I just wanted to thank them publicly and online. And I'm just so, so thankful for them. Uh, Mother's Day. What a crazy Mother's Day, right? It doesn't feel like Mother's Day, uh, but it is Mother's Day. And happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, I, um, I know Mother's Day is a wonderful day for many people. I know Mother's Day is a tough and difficult day for others. Uh, but I know this. I do know that God has a word for you today. So uh, listen to what he may be saying to you and speaking into your heart. I'm looking forward to what he's going to say to all of us uh, on this very, very special day. Um, I had a great mom. I really did. I'm very, very lucky or very blessed to have a wonderful, wonderful mom who passed away a few years ago. And uh, as great as she was, maybe the, the goat, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, uh, she was a great lady. Still, perhaps the greatest mom who's ever lived was a young peasant girl by the name of Mary. Mary. Mary was faced with an incredible challenge. We're all faced with challenges right now. But the challenge she faced, it's really even hard for us to understand what was going on in her heart and mind when an angel told her, you're going to have a baby. She was engaged. She hadn't been with a man, but you're going to have a baby. And this baby is going to be special. This baby is going to do something that's amazing and incredible. And her response to that was amazing. You know, I, 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 all the things that happen in our life, there's so many things that happen that are beyond our control. I mean, what's happened to us, our country, our world in the last several weeks and months beyond our control in so many, many ways. But one thing we can control is our response. How will we respond to the challenges that are placed before us? How did Mary respond to this? Look at the passage there. You'll see it on the screen in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. It says, Mary said to the angel, how can this happen? How will this happen? I've never, had, I've never had a man. Angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will cover you. And the Holy Child you give birth to will be called the Son of God. You see your cousin Elizabeth, as old as she is, is going to give birth to a child. She was not able to have children before, but now she is in her sixth month. Look at verse 37. For God can do all things. Let's say that together right now. For God 
can do all things. Come on, people who are spread out. Let's try it again. For God can do all things. God can do all things. So, which is interesting. So, if you are a, a skeptic, if you're a doubter, um, and you say, well, how is this possible? Just the reality of God. The reality of God. If there is a God, and this God decides to do something supernatural or enter into his world, on one hand, that's, nothing could be easier. It's hard for us, but it's not hard for God. So God chooses this teenage girl, this peasant girl called Mary, to hold the Son of God. And look what Mary's response was. It's awesome. She said, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel went away from her. That's an amazing response. Mary was just a girl. Probably just a teenage girl. This incredible request comes to her from an angel and she doesn't fully understand it, but she'd always trusted God. And she said, okay, I don't understand it, but so let it be. So Mary couldn't control her circumstances and what was going on, but she could control her response. So what did she do? If you're taking notes, you want to write these things down today. First of all, she did the right thing. So even though times are tough and times are difficult and there was a great challenge upon her, you do the right thing. Being a mom is challenging. It's tough. It's difficult. And it's hard to do the right thing always. But do the right thing. Even do the right thing, this next point, when the right thing is the hard thing. Many times the right thing to do is the hard thing to do. So we do the right thing even when it's the hard thing. And then we wait for the real thing, right? We do the right thing when the right thing is the hard thing. And then we wait for the real thing. What's the real thing? The real thing is the God thing. It's the redemption thing. So many times in life, we're faced with situations that we cannot control. We're faced with challenging choices, and we have to respond to that. And we have to make wise choices as moms, as dads, as people trying to follow God. And God calls us to do the right thing, even when it's the hard thing. And then we have to wait. We wait patiently for the real thing. We wait for God's redemption. We wait and see how God is going to work and his providence to accomplish great things. Mary, she had to wait 34 years and three days. 34 years and three days, she didn't know. She was not certain about what was going to happen. If this promise would be fulfilled, she was not certain. She waited 34 years and three days. 
And then on the third day, her son, who she saw crucified, came up out of the grave alive. The real thing. He was raised from the dead. And that began, that began this incredible movement known as Christianity. When one person did the right thing, even when the right thing was the hard thing, and she waited patiently for the real thing. As she watched God work behind the scenes to accomplish his purposes. So what does that look like in real life? Chuck out the story about a member of our church. Junior Livestock Show, and our group of kids have steers. My name's Kyle Polson, 48 years old. Lived in Houston till the early 80s and moved uh, out to Belleville, Texas, just a little bit west of Houston. Fort Worth was a really good fit for me, and I decided to stay in Fort Worth and had a job opportunity, so I've been in Fort Worth since 1990. It was important for me to get Jackson involved. We live in West Fort Worth, a little bit of a bubble. It's exposing him to kind of a, more of a real world, and uh, it is like a job. He's getting up at 6 o'clock and doing stuff that other kids are maybe on their Xbox and playing Fortnite or something, and he's shoveling manure and kind of getting drugged around a little bit. Kyle is just the most selfless person I've ever met. He puts everyone before him. Um, he'd give you the shirt off the back, and I know you hear that a lot, but that is a really true statement. I think that if there are one or two things that most people in Fort Worth know Kyle for, it is his amazing devotion to his children. My dad is one of the most fun people in the entire world. He always pushes me to do my best, always finding more opportunities for me to be better. My parents were uh, great faith and uh, big believers, and they instilled that in my sister and I at an early age. I bet when I was eight or nine, I knew I was adopted or kind of understood the concept of being adopted. I never felt like it was, I was different. I actually kind of felt special. This family took me, they wanted me. I really believe that um, when I was adopted, God put me with the perfect family. Maybe everyone thinks they've got the perfect family, but I really believe it. My dad was unbelievable, great man, morals and ethics, and just taught me kind of what, I mean, he's my hero. He was and always will be. And my mom was just always there, sporting events, we were at church every Sunday, home-cooked meals, you just kind of think it's the Cleavers. My dad passed away in 1995, which was really tough on me. That was a year after, one year after uh, I got out of school. My mom was a diabetic and uh, had a lot of health problems. So I had the unbelievable parents, unbelievable childhood. But when she passed away in November of 16, she had always encouraged me to try to go find my birth mother. So I started um, in probably February of 2017, and I contacted Depelchin, is where I was adopted. 
I had to fill out several questionnaires and they'd pull some records in a kind of in a quick way. They just said, listen, we're, this is a closed file. Uh, we're sorry. Uh, we like to help you, but we can't, we protect the birth mothers. So, right. You got to respect that. She said, but if you want to, you can contact the court system. That's the next step in Texas. That's your last step. And so at that point, I was literally thought this was it. And then I just happened to look at the judge's name, contacted my wife's godmother. And she, was, she worked for uh, Judge Ted Poe, knew a lot of the judges in Houston. I said, hey, do you happen to know this judge? She goes, I do know the judge. I know his cousin, and let me make some calls. This is about eight o'clock. Well, she texts someone and they call, and she called back with great news and said, judge is gonna open your file. So at that point, I was thinking, you know, I've got, still got a chance. My son goes to school with a kid and his mother's a private investigator. I said, hey, can we go to lunch? I'd like to visit with you. I'm trying to track down my birth mother and here's these records I've found. This is the Depelchin records, which are all whited out. Here's the court records, which I'm kind of at a dead end. And I said, is there anything you can do? And she kind of smiled and said, yeah, I can, I'll work on this. And literally in a couple hours, October 30th at 5.03, she calls me and says, Nina Hindi's your mother. I'm Nina Hindi, and I'm married to Ed, and we own the Taste of Texas restaurant. We've been open 42 years, love what we do. We have three children and 11 grandchildren. When I was 17 years old, I surrendered a child to adoption. Very young, uh, afraid, uh, but knew from the very start uh, what my choice would be, and that choice was life. And on June the 2nd, I delivered a beautiful baby boy, and the process was harsh then uh, because it it was very closed. Uh, we're, I was not allowed to know anything. The only thing I had was the ability to pray. I got to hold him for about 20 minutes uh, when he was born, and I had 20 minutes to tell this beautiful child all of my hopes and all of my dreams, all of my prayers for this child, for his life. And I was just like, wow, this emotion, I know who it is, she's alive. I immediately got online and, and, and once you have someone's name, there's, you can find a lot of stuff, especially someone like, like Nina, who's just a great person doing so much for the community that you could just see this unbelievable person, this great life she's got. She had this unbelievable husband, she's got this great family, she's in Houston, just being an awesome person. And so the emotion on October 30th going forward was just unbelievable. I, I met my precious husband and on our second date, I realized he was an amazing guy. And so we went to dinner and um, we sat at the table and I said, okay, this might be the deal breaker, but I want you to know who I am. And I just struck me, it just, I stopped in my tracks and took a deep breath and I said, there is a woman of moral conviction, of incredible character and strength and courage and self-reliance 
that she would act on, not out of convenience, she would act on, on this and take the tougher road and give this child a chance at life and then say, this is part of my life because I made that. And I thought, that is the woman I want to be married to. I was assuming and guessed that I was probably some secret. No one knew about me. And so how could I reach out to her without upsetting her life? I didn't want to be the grenade that comes in at age 48 um, and destroy her life or, or do anything to, to harm her. So for the next couple months, I start writing a letter. I think the letter had a full 25 drafts. He really knew he had one chance to get it right, to present it correctly to her, to make her feel comfortable. I walked into the kitchen and Ed had gotten the mail and there was a letter on the top of the mail that said personal and confidential. And I opened the letter and it said, my name is Kyle Polson and I believe you're my birth mother. Oh, my goodness. I get a telephone call, and I've got her number saved, and it's Nina. My heart's about coming out of my chest, and she said, I've been looking for you for 48 years. And I'm just very emotional talking to your mother for the first time at age 48, but it was, uh, it was unbelievable. We kind of talked about a plan, and we started texting from that day forward, and I'm, then I start thinking, where are we going to have this reunion? This is where we had our first reunion. Ed dropped her off. She was kind of sending me text. I'm getting close. Here I am. She's here. She says, I'm here. I'm coming up the elevator. And then she came off the elevator. I was sitting right here looking at the elevators. And she rounded the corner. And the, the whole emotion of uh, seeing your mom for the first time in person was... Uh, was pretty amazing. It was like, like he'd always been there. It was as natural and normal, and to get to tell him the things that I had prayed for him for his entire life. I don't know how you can feel love so quick. You didn't have to say it, but you feel the love, it's, it's real, and both of them have just been all in and you're part of the family, this is, this is what we're doing. And you'd think that would take some time, and it's instant. Kyle grew up right here. All along, God had him in my heart, but he also had him right here. So Kyle went to Beach Retreat at Second Baptist Church. Oddly enough, in middle school, I would go to the Second Baptist Speech Retreat, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and it was a very spiritual thing. We'd go on the beach uh, and have this quiet time and pray, and Dr. Young said, I want you to ask God to be your Savior. That was the time I really put it on the table and asked and had that feeling of, man, I'm, he's with me. God's behind me, and he's guiding my ship. Every time I would think about him, I would pray, God, if it's ever your will for us to reunite, God, let that be, please. That is the desire of my heart. And, you know, he tells us, I will give you the desires of your heart. Dear Mrs. Hindy, please know that I realize from the very bottom of my heart what a shock this letter must be. 
Please note that I have spent years considering the best way to reach out to you and deliver this letter fully understanding the significance and the impact on both of our lives. I originally started writing this note on June 2nd, my 48th birthday, as I reflected on the extraordinary gift you gave me. I am certain adoption was a painful decision, but I want you to know everything worked out exactly as God planned. You made the ultimate selfless decision and you gave me the chance for an amazing life. My parents, Mary Jo and Knute Polson, were simply exceptional. They were incredible and nurturing and the most loving parents I have ever witnessed. What a blessing that they were mine. I have no doubt I am the most fortunate adopted person ever and cannot imagine anyone having had a better childhood than me. They were devoted Christians and the faith that they taught me helped me form the family that we are and it got us through the highs and lows of life. Unfortunately, they are both gone now and have been reunited with each other with Christ in heaven. She and my dad lived their life entirely, completely in love with each other, with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On my birthday, every year my mom would cry and tell me one of her greatest wishes was the, for the selfless woman who gave birth to me to see how I turned out. 